This week on Gym Ops Radio, the topic is all things hiring. With the unfortunate closure of many gyms around the country, the opportunity to absorb industry talent has never been bigger. But resumes are only a fraction of the total picture. In order to get the right answers, you have to ask the right questions. The guys discuss their top seven questions you must be asking to every candidate. And as a bonus, they'll touch on their hugely successful member to code conversion program. Get great people on board, develop great culture, and improve your bottom line. Welcome to episode 46. This is Gym Ops Radio. Hey guys, welcome back to Gym Ops Radio. This is Brian Pritz. And this is Dave Thomas. And we are on episode 46. Uh, today we will be going over seven questions you must be asking in your next interview. So uh, this is a little bit pertinent to what we've been doing. We've actually had a couple interviews with potential hires uh, over the past week, and um, it is something that I, you know is, is a little bit of a tricky subject in my eyes. Um, I feel like hiring for a gym is very different from like a corporate type hiring process, um, and in my experience, like. The people coming in and the experience is just, it needs to be totally different. So if like you've come from a, a background of like, you know, sales or, you know, a standard company, then like what you know about hiring should be changed because it's very different. Yeah. The general public really sleeps on what a challenging type of job being a coach is because in a format of a group setting, like you have to have an aspect of your set of, of your personality that is like somewhat matches the sales personality and that is not to equate the two as like you have to sell as a coach but you are up there communicating a workout every day that is a sales pitch yeah. like you're telling the class what to do um, you're getting their buy-in you're generating their excitement so you have to have a degree of public speaking skills in a way that comes off as exciting and then of course you have to have the technical knowledge of being a coach the anatomy the physiology how to correct movement um, if you lack either one of those, you're not going to be successful. Right. There may be a period of success that you have, but long term, one of those flaws is going to reveal itself, and you're going to have a really hard time uh, being consistently. Cons- cons- I was about to say consistently consistent. <laughs> <laughs> being consistent in the field because uh, one of those will just keep popping up. Yeah, in your opinion, out of those two, what is more important, like the technical knowledge or kind of the personality? I don't like, I, I really don't like pitting things against each other in like an either or because I do think both are absolutely needed. Yeah. Um, and I do think that it will be, uh, that discussion point will come up today throughout all the questions that we go through and um, we'll be able to relate which one skews a little bit more personality, which one skews a little bit more um, technical knowledge. But I can tell you that without the personality aspect, then the technical knowledge does not matter at all. Right. Um, I, I think you can be, more limited with your technical knowledge than with your personality yeah because technical knowledge can be learned it can be taught but you cannot teach someone to not suck right so it's yeah i i guess that would technically make the personality more important but it doesn't diminish the very real need for obvious you know very strong foundation with technical knowledge of coaching and the ability to build on it yeah and every hire that we've ever had um you know or I should say every every employee we've had and have parted ways for some reason, um, it, it has never been because of lack of technical knowledge. Never. Um, so it, it just kind of shows the importance of having that aspect. So I would agree if you were to 
you know pinpoint one that's a little bit more important it would be the personality traits um but yeah like you said you can't get by with with without both yeah and we you know our our hiring process just to give you guys a little bit of context so we kind of have two ways that we onboard corches i can't talk today (laughs) corches i should have done the uh anchorman the human torch is denied the anchorman uh, anyways, we have two ways that we onboard coaches. And the first is what we call our member to coach conversion program. Um, and that is where it's exactly what it sounds like. We take long-term members who are interested in coaching, who have the skill set, and we train them to become coaches. It's 100% internal. Um, well, I'm sure we'll allude to that a little bit throughout this episode. But uh, and the second one is just outside coaches. So people who are established coaches already. Um, and we take them and we train them on our culture using the skill sets that they have as a coach already. Uh, we have found both of those to be highly successful. Yeah. We have people in major roles right now that have come from both of those buckets, so to say. And um, I think both are really needed, at least for our model, because I think every gym of our size absolutely needs, you know, one or two to three full-time coaches who that is their, that is their career and that is their profession. Um, but then you also need it to complement it with really bought in, really dedicated part-time coaches. And uh, we've never strayed away from the idea of like a part-time coach being a really good professional coach. Right. You know, just because you're doing it five to nine, five to nine hours a week doesn't mean you can't do it, do a great job of it. So I do not think that um, while repetition certainly makes a better coach, repetition does not have anything to do with one's desire to learn, desire to get better um, and desire to be coachable themselves. So um, each have their own little pros and cons uh, associated with them, but the end result of that is we have found them both to be successful. Yeah, and I would never want to run a gym that has like just full time employees and or or excuse me or just part time employees. I think you need a combination of both. Um, obviously, that's dependent on how many classes you run. But like you know, for how many classes that we run over the course of a day with three locations, uh, having a combination is is extremely necessary and helpful. Yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about today. Um, We're going to get into our seven questions right now, and we'll probably go back and forth a little on how they relate to whether they're being hired through the member to coach conversion or if they're an outside coach. So the the seven questions that we want to talk about, these are not like the only seven questions you should ask. Everybody has their own list that's important to them. Uh, We certainly have more questions than are on this list, but we we chose these seven because we feel that they are – very important to getting the right answers. You know, I'm not interested in somebody regurgitating what's already on their resume as far as their technical ability. What we're really trying to do in our interviews is flush out if you are a cultural fit. Uh, you're not even sitting in front of us if you're not um, a really polished professional coach already, or if we don't feel you're an absolute lock for the culture uh, from coming from the member to coach conversion program. So, um, these questions just really help us dive into like, where does this person see themselves? How do they fit into the group dynamic and how will they fit at the gym? Like the seven deadly sins. <laughs> yes. No, not at all. <laughs> I just couldn't get that out of my head. So I had to say it out loud. Uh, so the first one that we like to ask uh, on this list um, and let me just take a quick step back, actually, because we have refined these questions quite a bit, and this is the latest version of um, what we ask folks. So it's kind of um, newly implemented, and in the short time we've had it, it's really helped us kind of open up and dig deep into questions that uh, we've previously failed a little bit on, and then I don't want to say made some mistakes with hiring, but 
that we wish we kind of asked different questions, better questions when we were in that. So um, these seven represent like the current refined form of them. And I'm even going to talk about a mistake that we made in our last one, um, which we'll get into. But okay, so question number one is, um, was there ever an aha moment for you discovering fitness or have you always been more of a natural? And so the the counter to that of what not to ask would be like, what do you love most about fitness? Yep. You ask people that question and it's like, I love to squat. I love to deadlift. All that stuff that everybody loves to do. But by asking them about their fitness background, what we're looking for is, you know, if they were that natural, then that's going to tell us potentially one clue about how they might be. Now, it's not a guarantee, but if they're like that natural athlete that always played sports, was competitive, um, always picked first and kickball type of thing then there is the chance that they might lack that empathy factor for the person who is not that. They right. might have a hard time understanding why somebody can't hinge their hips before bending their knees. Right. They might get frustrated with that. Not a guarantee, but again, we're just establishing this series of clues that is ultimately going to kind of put this person together in a 60-minute interview. Right. Now, on the flip side of that, if that person had some major transformation, let's say they're like, actually, yeah, like I lost 50 pounds because I was like an absolute mess in college and I got my shit together and I just fell in love with that and I saw what it can do, um, then that's awesome. So we know that this person, you know, the clue that they're giving us is that they might be able to relate to beginners very well because they've come from like this period of being like very overweight and unhealthy. So they get exactly what the struggles are. However, on the flip side of that, that person maybe might lack deep down, they might lack a certain degree of confidence if they really have to assert themselves with like a, an advanced member or somebody who is that like high level athlete, natural performer type thing. Right. Um, so I would say in this scenario, we're not necessarily preferring one answer or the other, but we're just looking for that baseline of like, what is your general vibe and tone with how you, how you might communicate. And it also kind of lets you round out the staff. So for example, at one point uh, we had, I would call it a little bit more of an advanced style staff where people were a little bit more into, um, you know, the heavier stuff, the technical stuff. And we wanted to kind of round out the staff and get people that were just like a little bit more excited about just fitness in general. Um, people that could connect to beginners a little bit more, people that had that empathy and compassion for like people that are starting that process and just like the excitement of finding fitness for the first time. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, th those needs might shift based on where you're at as a business and as a gym. If you're really top heavy with like the highly technical folks who love getting in there with like the finishing touches on lifts, then you might want to assess bringing in somebody who's just that like really great personality who can galvanize a room, who is, um, you know, I don't want to say those technical coaches create a stressful environment because they absolutely don't. But, you know, sometimes they can be a little bit, you know, they're mathematical people. So sometimes they can be a little bit outcome oriented right. where it's like this direction needs to match up to a specific outcome. Well, that doesn't necessarily vibe with every member. Right. Uh, maybe they're just coming to the gym to like smile and laugh and have a good time and engage with somebody. Yeah. Um, so just having that balance, giving members of choice of like, you know, I actually prefer the really technical person because that's why I come here. And then the other person might say like, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate the, the instruction and the guidance, but you know, I'm not really interested in like adding another five to 10 pounds on my squat. I just want to come here, be healthy and like have a, have a good time and feel valued by this coach. Absolutely. Um, so again, it's just like, it's the first level clue of 
how are we projecting onto you that you might communicate as a coach? Yep. Question number two on the list. So it's a little bit uh, kind of snowballs onto this one, but uh, we love to ask who would you connect with most and who would present you the most challenges as a coach? What we don't ask is what you love to coach most. We don't want to know the movements that they prefer to coach and the things that they enjoy doing. We want to know the person. And so as far as what we want to hear, what we're looking for is for the coach to immediately discuss more of a personality than an ability level. Yep. Uh, so talk a little bit about kind of what that means and what you're looking for when candidates answer that question. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit tricky because I find that part of what these questions weed out is the ability to kind of sniff bullshit on people. Um, you know, if, if you ask this question, who would you connect with most and who would present you to the mo with the most challenges? If they're like, Oh, I connect with everybody. Like, uh, you know, I, I get along with everybody. Everybody loves me type of thing. Well, you know that they're starting to just like spit out answers that they think you want to hear. Um, I really appreciate when somebody gives me a very honest answer and says, you know, uh, and this might relate back to that first question of like, I had that aha moment and I just fell in love with fitness. And so like, I really connect with n people that are new to fitness, um, and are kind of starting this journey. And, um, on the flip side, you know, it might be the type of thing where they do come from like that athletic background and they connect with those advanced athletes. They just like to see people who come in and can move good already and they can kind of coach them from there. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that there's necessarily a right answer to that. Um, but again, it kind of is based on your staff and what you're looking for with this specific hire. Yeah. And, you know, we, we are obviously an independent gym, but we do get a lot of former CrossFit coaches who come in and apply. And we typically find there's kind of two types of CrossFit coaches. There's like the real OGs who are like, you know, Fran, hard charging for time, high intensity, and they're still in love with that style of fitness. And that's great. That doesn't work with how we do fitness, so we try to assess that. And then there's the second type of CrossFit coach who's like that same type of thing. They're seasoned OG, but they're, they kind of find themselves shifting into a more sustainable type of fitness that they want to be involved right. in. So you know, what I'm looking for with this question is if the person who comes in, like, say they answer that first question with like, oh yeah, you know, always kind of a natural athlete, just love sports, played football in college, love the team environment. And then we ask them the question of who do you connect with most? And they say like, oh, you know, athletes, like I love coaching athletes, like high level performers, motivated people don't need hand holding. That's great. But that's just a big O for two for our culture. Yep. So we, we can kind of weed that out right away. And if we get those two answers, the rest of the interview is probably just a formality because personally, I have probably written you off. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll use a recent example of a woman that we had in the gym. She's a natural athlete. Um, she was CrossFit OG competitor and just had great answers as far as like who she connects with as a coach. Yep. It was, you know, um, much more in line with just like had nothing to do with like the natural ability level or anything like that. It was all about just like personality. So you can definitely come from that background of how you do fitness, but it's not necessarily how you coach fitness. And it's why we like to answer those two, or excuse me, ask those two questions a little bit in isolation. So we don't mistakenly project on them how they coach it based on what their history with fitness is. And it's absolutely dependent on your gym and your, your culture. This is the stuff that we're looking for because we want it to match our culture. Your gym might be totally different and you might be looking for that different answer. So as long as you're very clear with what you want and what your culture is, and then it's all about matching up these types of questions with 
somebody that would fit your culture. Absolutely. And this, this second question is such an important question for our member to coach conversion, uh, because we're hiring people who are not yet coaches. They don't yet have coaching experience in this environment. So most of the time, these people that we're talking to, they are very capable. You know, we're not going to hire a member who isn't physically capable of excellent movement. Right. Many times we'll sit folks down and we'll find that like, they think that's how everyone is. You know, they don't have any context of coaching. They only have a context of coming to the gym. So they've never really zoomed out and been like, oh, people aren't like me. It's just like, <laughs> I, I, I kill it. Yeah. Which is why like we love when like a really high level member, high performing, fit looking, they answer with like, I love working with people who are, you know, um, intimidated by fitness and scared to get into it because I saw how much it did with me. Yeah. And we had another interview with a member earlier in the week who just gave like excellent answers on that level. Like she's very, very high level ability. Um, you could look at her and be like, I'm intimidated by you. Like the second she talks to you, you can tell that she is in line with being helpful and not oppressive, if you will. Yeah. It's almost like they have a little bit of, um, they're a little bit modest about themselves. They may not, think that they're as high level or proficient as they actually are. And so they don't view themselves as kind of above everybody else uh, looking down. They'll, they'll connect with that kind of general population a little bit more. Definitely. Um, okay. So just wrapping up that second question, who would you connect with most and who would present you the most challenges? Not what do you love to coach the most? All right, moving on to question number three. What's something that bothers you about most group training gyms? Not, why do you love group fitness? The reason we don't ask why you love group fitness because we know why everyone loves group (laughs) fitness. There's nothing unique that they're going to present in that answer. It's inevitably going to be some version of the community is awesome. There's motivation in the group. The group elevates you. Uh, I love being a part of... Um, you know, brick and mortar community. There's, there's nothing that's going to be beyond that. But by asking what's something that bothers you about most group training gyms, you're able to get an insight into like who they really are, why they're experienced or why they want to be at your gym. And then you're also able to flush out, you know, let's say they say something that they don't like that is part of how you do things as a gym. Right. Well, then you know that you have a problem and there's really no way for them to bullshit that answer because they really don't have any idea what you're looking for. So I'm not trying to suggest that you like trap candidates into an impossible question, but you want to ask these questions that you know you're going to get a truthful answer in a way that can't be manipulated to hear what you want to hear. So let's say, for example, you were to ask um, a coach, what do you not like about most group training gyms? They might say, oh man, it drives me nuts when I have a class of like 30 people, like that's way too many people in a class. There's absolutely no way you can coach those people. It drives me nuts when gyms do that. Well, what if your gym does that? Right. Then all of a sudden you're in a position of, well, that is actually how we coach here. And that is our model. Uh, so, you know, right away, um, on the flip side, if they say, you know, um, I can't stand like smaller classes, like it defeats the whole purpose of group training when you have like, eight to 12 people, it's not motivating. You know, I really thrive on motivation. Then it's like, well, that's kind of how we coach here. So um, <laughs> you're able to really flush that out as far as an operational perspective. They might also say something about a past manager, you know, not by name or past place of just like, 
you know, I don't really do well with this type of communication in a group setting format or just like, I don't really like how it's like this, this is dictated for what I have to do um, when you might be the gym that actually does that. So you're able to flush out operational potential classes, clashes, uh, personality clashes, just anything about their past experience that you may or may not be doing. And it also gives a lot of indication of if they did any sort of research or like looking into who you are, um, which I think is important. If somebody just comes in, they don't know anything about the gym that they're applying for and they just kind of need a job and they're just like throwing resume to all these different places. If, you know, if they answer these questions and they kind of give the indication that they didn't do a whole lot of research on your gym, that's a major red flag to me because that means that they don't like passionately want to be at our gym. They just want to coach at some gym. Yeah. And I know we have that on the list that we'll get into in a little bit, uh, but it definitely equates to, you know, if they're going to mention something that they don't like about how a gym is run and you're very visible with showing that that's how it run, that that's how it runs, then like you flushed that out before you even need to, to answer it. Got marbles in my mouth today to ask that question. Um, cool. So anything else to add on that one? Negative. All right. So just quick recap of the first three. Um, was there ever an aha moment for fitness with you or are you more of a natural? Question number two, uh, who would you connect with most and who would present you the most challenges? And question number three, what's something that bothers you about most group training gyms? Moving into question number four. What does your own training week look like right now? And I'm kicking all the credit over to you for this one because you started asking that question like two or three years ago. Um, and it never even dawned on me because it was the classic me projecting on them. Oh, they must love to do this kind of fitness because they're applying at a place that does this kind of fitness. Right. You started asking that question and we started getting all sorts of responses that potentially could indicate the, uh, you know, a different type of scenario. So uh, talk a little bit about why you started asking that question and uh, what kind of responses you get and how you perceive them. Well, before we had these kind of questions standardized, um, you know, we would interview people and I would have a list of my questions that I wanted to ask them. Um, typically, you take the lead on that stuff. So by the time you were done answering all your questions or asking all your questions, most of mine were crossed off. So I needed something to come up with. Um, and that just <laughs> happened to pop into my head. So I started asking it and then it slowly became one of my favorite questions to ask because you immediately find disconnects with what they're saying uh, to what they actually do. So for example, if, you know, they come in and, you know, we're a strength and conditioning gym, if they're, um, if they're like, you know, I love like all kinds of fitness, I love, you know, doing some Olympic weightlifting, I love doing circuit training, I love all that stuff. And then you get to the point, you ask them, so what does your, you know, typical training week look like? And they're like, oh, you know, I deadlift twice a week. Um, I squat twice a week and I bench press twice a week. Um, I don't really, you know, I don't do any conditioning or any of the other stuff. Um, cause those, that's what I love. Well then it's immediately like, okay, uh, there's another disconnect here where it's like you do, you do differently, uh, than what you say you love and what you want to do. And I will say that that is doable, right? you can passionately coach something that maybe you're not as interested in doing. I totally agree. Definitely However, can. I don't think very well because if you're not in it and you're not really being able to speak to the nuances of maybe how this workout goes, cause you've done it before or this type of training. And like, there's just that disconnect from people who are in a group environment. Your communication 
it's hard to really put into words, but your communication is just going to fall short. You might start talking about the workout and accidentally relating it to like just your goals. Um, and you might just totally miss the ball and like why people are in there for the group. So we've really kind of evolved in this from years past where like we were pretty diligent that like you had to come to a class twice a week. That used to be our requirement for coaches. Yep. And for various reasons, we've kind of softened on that over the years. Uh, number one, some coaches do find this, the, that very difficult from a logistics perspective because if they coach the classes, they would be able to attend. Right. Um, but we've just kind of eased up on that. And honestly, like I wish this was one that we, we could be very strict on because, you know, we have found that the less classes you come to, unless you're a really, really polished coach, the more disconnected you're slowly going to be from the gym. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't need people to come to our classes five days a week. You know, we have coaches who do and like that shows because that's where they excel is that type of communication. And that's a huge positive skill set. But you have to you have to at least believe in group fitness and you have to do it on some level. You must be present. If you're not willing to come to our gym and participate in the culture in which you're coaching, at least semi-regularly, then there's not there's not a position for you. Um, and so, you know, you know, we, we have coaches that are all over the end of the spectrum on this now, um, but even now, it is still a fundamental part of our culture, and we want to be flushing this out when we're talking to this person for the first time. Yeah, I'd written in my notes the uh, attending classes thing, and you just took my entire. Uh, <laughs> manifesto i was gonna say about that maybe you should just project yourself a little more like talk louder <laughs> no uh <laughs> your voice is already too bassy for that uh yeah so i got nothing to add there cool um so yeah recapping that um what is something nope that was the first one uh what does your own training look like week to week all right so moving on to question number five this is going to pick up kind of right where we left off with what you were talking about what are some aspects of Performance 360 that drew you to us? It is not, you know, let's say you are a CrossFit affiliate. You do, you would never want to say, what are some aspects of CrossFit that you love? Yep. Screw that. You'd never want to be vague with your catch-all. I would never say, what, what are some aspects of group fitness that drew you to us? I want to know specifically what it is about our gym, our culture, and our facility that you want to be a part of and it better not be vague. Like this is the one that I'm like really looking for specifics. I want you to, as you said, show that you've done your research. I want you to like, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like I want you to sweat us. Yeah. I want you to tell us like, all the reasons, like not at all for my own ego, but I, I want to see that come through that you really truly believe in this place. And what you said earlier, that it's not just a paycheck um, because that comes across very clearly if somebody is there and they're, you know, not prepared for uh, being able to talk specifically about the gym, or if it's like we're one stop in a long series of interviews that they're that they're uh, going on. Yeah, this is a little bit easier for members uh, members to coaches because they train there. They know a lot about what we do already. Um, to me, this tells a little bit more from outside hires. Uh, one of my favorite things is when you know we ask this question. And they'll pull out something that, like, I don't want to say is random, but it shows that they have, like, looked more into our brand than just, like, oh, they're hiring. I'm going to, oh, they could do group fitness. Cool. I'm going to go apply. Um, one of, I forget who it was specifically, but somebody was like, I love how 
when you guys post your workouts, you do this and you do that and your, you know, training cycles are based on this or whatever. And I was like, wow, like some of our members don't even know that we, you know, program like that or post the workouts like that. So this person took the time to do their research to be like, I want to learn more about this place. I want to see if I'm a good fit. And that makes it easier for us to determine if they're a good fit. And I, I just thought of this as you were talking. Um, one of the best candidates that we often get is the person who reaches out to us when we're not, they don't even know that we're hiring. Yeah. So this is somebody who is really done their research. They've really vetted out that this is a place that they want to be at. And that was an interview that we had recently. Um, uh, you know, we're not publicly hiring right now, but we had a woman reach out to us um, that wanted a coach. And she, you know, we ended up talking to her about it and getting some answers on it. And it was like, you know, so for example, she said, um, first off, like you have a great website, you know, I've been around the industry and, um, if you don't have a good website, then like, it's hard to take that seriously as a coach. Yeah. So if you're listening to that right now, we've always talked about the website from a market perspective, but you're also always marketing to potential talent that could be joining your gym as well. Um, she said, you know, so I looked at that, that caught my attention first. And then, um, I went to the training page and like loved that you guys do like a daily blog. Like it allowed me to get to know the gym and kind of what you're about. And I really related to that. Uh, then I went and checked out your workouts and it's like exactly how I would program for my clients within this, within this environment. And then uh, the icing on the cake was that you guys have multiple locations. So I know this is a place that like takes this seriously and does this the right way. Yeah. That is an excellent, excellent answer. Yeah. There's lots of preparation in that. There's lots of really intrinsic belief that connects to what she wants to be a part of. That's above just like your classes are busy. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? Like yeah. a lot of places have busy classes. Like tell me something more than that that you connect with that's not just like you want to ride you want to you know, you want to ride the success train instead of like this actually speaks to you and you want to be a part of it. Uh, I, this just popped into my head. Do your requirements change? based on if we're publicly hiring or not. So for example, if we are like actively seeking somebody because we need to fill a position, do your requirements maybe go down a tad because we need somebody to fill a, a space? Or is it like very hard hard on the requirements that like you have to be this person and we'll go without hiring somebody if we need to, if we don't find like that perfect person? I was like desperately trying to come up with an answer while you were asking me that so that I could say something in time. And honestly, like I, I think I treat it the exact same way. So when we're sitting down in an interview and we're talking to that person, I'm kind of blacked out as far as like what the gym needs. Like certainly if I know like we have a desperate need for uh, 10 hours to fill six through 9am, like I'm going to be targeting, like, are you available for right. that? But other than that, I'm kind of blacked out. And if I can, if I'm getting the sense that I'm connecting with this person and I feel very subjectively that they're a good fit for the gym, then I want to find a way to have them involved. I am, I'm a very big believer in being ahead of need than behind need. Yep. I don't ever want to be in a scenario where a coach leaves unexpectedly and we're scrambling. I want to have bodies as best we can. And while more coaches certainly runs the risk of diluting culture and increasing managerial headaches, uh, I will I will bring someone on and put that responsibility on me to manage as opposed to not bringing them on because maybe we don't have a major need and I'm scared of those things. Yeah, makes total so sense. I don't know if that answered the question, but if someone is in the room, you know, we're very busy people. 
we're not going to waste our time with somebody sitting down if we're not very seriously entertaining bringing them on board. You know, we vet people through initial interviews via a phone call. Um, and if we don't hear what we want to hear at that point, we, we won't sit down with that person. So um, I guess to wrap up the answer, need or no need, I treat it the exact same once we're in the room with that person. Yeah, total side note, I love when we have a, a group of staff that like want more hours. That's one of my favorite things to be in a position of to where it's like coaches are itching and are asking for more hours than we can currently provide um, because I, I feel like that, number one, it provides such a stability to the overall operations. And number two, it gets people um, excited when they are coaching and when they are you know adding more hours rather than being like, oh, I have to work more. Absolutely. It's also a sign of where you are with your culture and how much your staff believes in what you're doing or if they're just like you like you said just collecting a paycheck yep um you know that kind of got checked real quick last week we had a coach heavy on the schedule um who had uh, an injury outside the gym and like just physically could not coach and we had to really scramble to get his classes covered and we had him covered within honestly 25 minutes yeah just four or five different people saying like yeah i'll step up no problem um and we've we have been in spots with the gym where that has not been the case we're like, I've had to hop in and come in and coach. And it's just like, that is not sustainable. And it's a, it's a definite sign of a culture that's diseased at the very best. And you're just a terrible coach. So yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> um, okay. So question number six, where do you hope to be this time next year? And this time in five years now, this is where I want to kind of call myself out for asking the wrong questions previously, uh, because it dawned on me that when you ask somebody, what are your long-term aspirations? That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. They, they could view long-term in six months. They could view that in 10 years. Uh, they might give you a very vague answer that honestly, I've started to realize every person does kind of give. Um, I know you ask this question a lot because you want to make sure this person's going to be in San Diego, just from like a very basic functional perspective. And that is one thing that you brought to the table with interviews that I was not asking. And it's, it's very important to just assure that basic level of need. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, Just to ahead. cut you off, like, you know, San Diego, we always talk about it. it's such such a transient town that there are a ton of people that are just stopping here for, you know, six months, a year, two years, whatever it is. So I don't necessarily judge their answer, what they actually say, but more like how they say it. Um, and I, I find that extremely important. You guys may not need to ask that to the same degree because... I feel like a lot of other places are a little bit more stable with the people coming and going. But um, to me, that's super important because I can tell if they're planning on being here for the long haul or not. Yeah. And they, you know, they might, you know, they might say they're getting ready to start a family or they might say that like, um, you know, maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe they're in the military and they might run the risk of being relocated. There, there's all sorts of things that you at least want to be prepared for. But what I love about this question, and I, it dawned on me to start asking this in interviews, is because I use it a lot internally when I talk to coaches and when I check in with them on a yearly basis of like, tell me where you want to be the next time we're having this conversation. Like, what does that picture look like for you? Yeah. It's much more manageable to answer that in tangible terms when I have a finite amount of time on it. One year from now, I can wrap my mind around what that is, and I can tell you exactly what I would hope would be a little bit better in my professional situation. But like long-term aspiration, like I don't even know if I could tell you my long-term aspirations. <laughs> so it's like they, you know, I have some that are general, but they change a lot. Right. But if you were, to, if I were to have to tell you like where do I want to be this time next year, I can answer that right. question. 
Um, and then if you feel it appropriate, extending it to five years. But I just think knowing, you know, the, if the person who doesn't know where they want to be in one year, that should raise you a little bit of a red flag. Yeah. Um, and that's typically kind of why we like to ask that question. Yeah. Um, and as far as why that's so important for our member to coach conversion program is we have had coaches that we have brought on who were members who we quickly learned it was a status symbol and had nothing to do with wanting to dive into the nitty gritty of coaching. Yep. And that sucks because that is on us to not vet that out. And it really puts them in a position where like, I got to be honest, like I really resent them when I'm like, you said you wanted to coach. We put you through this whole training. You did well with that. But now that it comes to like upkeep with that and like, guess what? You're going to get up at 6 a.m. three times a week and like all these different things where they're like, oh, yeah, I didn't really think through that so much. I just thought it would be cool to like be in a class bullshitting with the members. And I'd be getting like the best classes, you know, not the more early mornings or later at night. Yep. I got to come to coaches labs and like I got to come in on a Sunday and like dedicate my time to this. Um, with professional coaches, it is a little bit less of an issue, but when we are hiring people who have never coached, we need to know exactly like, A, are you going to be here? Which is your question of, are you going to be in San Diego? And like, B, tell me, tell me what you want to do with coaching and, and be as specific as you possibly can. Yeah. And for me, I, I don't necessarily think there's like a right or wrong answer. I, I think there's a lot of degrees of correctness in, in what they say, um, for me, this is a little bit more about how they say it. So Yeah, good call. Um, okay, anything else to add on number six? Nope. Moving on to question number seven. So this is kind of the grand finale, and this is a brand new one that we've started asking. What do you think the biggest opportunity for brick-and-mortar gyms is right now and moving into the next era? That obviously pertains to the COVID era. It's a new question, so we can't really talk about responses a lot, and we certainly don't want to be like, specifying a person for an answer on this. Right. Um, but I can tell you exactly what we want to hear. And it's that you believe in brick and mortar gems. Yeah. And what we don't want to hear is that absolutely everything is moving to online and all brick and mortar gems should be doing is focusing with how they can move to online. Right. This is not a scenario in my opinion where it's Netflix is here and blockbuster refused to acknowledge that. <laughs> I do think that brick and mortar gyms are going to survive this. I think the really good ones are, and the ones who are quite honestly listening to the stuff that we say in this podcast are going to do quite well. So I want to hear someone who's really bought into that. And that doesn't mean like you you have to be resistant to progress and to technological change. We've made many adaptations where we're going to adopt uh, new practices to serve clients in different ways, but we're also very much in belief of the brick and mortar model and of the philosophy. Um, so we just want to hear that. We want to hear that you generally vibe with that outlook and that you feel positive about where the industry is going. And also that they have a little bit of a creative mind. You know, they have the opportunity to say whatever they want with how they think like, you know, gyms can survive. And if they have ideas and are creative and like, you know, what that answer might be to me, that shows that they're like kind of on that level of not just like, I am coaching and that's my only role. And like, I don't really think about anything else. It's just like a natural, I don't even know how to say it, but it's like, they kind of understand uh, the gyms and they understand what we need to do to survive and grow from here. So, um, you know, it, it just gives you a little bit more of a look into their brain and kind of how they look at the gym industry as a whole. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Um, and so those are seven questions, guys. We'll recap them at the end, but there's also um, two more things that we do 
that I think are really, really helpful. And we only do these as of now. We only do these for established professional coaches. We do not yet do these with the uh, member to coach conversion. We might throw that high level piece of stress at them at some point. Uh, but for now, it's just a pro coach uh, type step in the process. So the first thing we do is we want them to write a workout, bring it in, and then give us a walkthrough like you are presenting to a class. That is going to show how you communicate to a group. And then the second thing we do is we give them three movements that they have to coach one of us on as if we're a beginner. And that is going to show how they communicate one-on-one. -on -one. Um, this has been a very short practice of ours, but man, it was it can be incredibly revealing for how a person communicates. Yeah. And you know, one of the, one of my biggest, like, uh, like nail biting moments is when I see a, a coach speak in front of a class and, you know, give the walkthrough for the first time I had to bring it up. I have to bring Lenny up. He, his first walkthrough, like I wanted to hurt myself. <laughs> I wanted to call the local helpline. man. I know. Lenny, I wanted Lenny. I'd never say that. About you. <laughs> you know, it was, it, it was bad. Um, a lot of people's initial walkthrough are not good, but like you said, we just implemented this and you can just immediately see what kind of confidence, what their communication style, what their overall demeanor is, um, just immediately. And that like, that sped my process up of seeing them in that role so fast, like just send it flying forward. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it, it can also, if you're on the fence about someone and someone comes in and they just like absolutely crush both of those things, then you can, I don't want to say overlook things that you might've been on the fence about, but right. it, it pushes them more towards the fence that the side of the fence that they should be on. Um, because if you, if you have somebody come in and like, you know, for example, let's say that they sound excellent on paper, but you're just a little bit concerned about how they do with public speaking. Or let's say they're like a really intimidating, advanced looking person and you're concerned that their communication style may be a little abrasive and a little direct. And they stand up in front of the room and they turn into this like relatable person who's upbeat, outgoing. Uh, they make eye contact with you. They give proper visual cues, auditory cues. Like they just absolutely nail it. Then they become a much, much, much more attractive candidate. Absolutely. And we obviously like to break it down group and individual because that is how all coaches are going to be coaching within our context. Uh, we're looking for, you know, what kind of cues do you have? Like, do you have cues we've never heard of? Uh, we're looking for, um, are you kind of coming at them as, uh, as you're collaborating with them? Versus are you just drill sergeant directing them? You're going to get a real solid glimpse into communication style. And I would urge you to not ignore it. Yeah. Like if it comes off to you as sideways, even a little bit, I would not proceed. I would just not do it because you might be able to, to polish some of that rough edge, but it's, it's always going to be there. So, um, yeah, I really just like, I love this addition that we've made to the hiring process. I, I can't wait to do it more with more candidates. And I think it is just like the great truth serum to, is everything that you just told me complete bullshit right. or, or is it actually true? Yep. Um, so I, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, me too. We've only obviously had a, a very small amount of uh, application to that process. So we'll see how further uh, further it goes, but love it so far. Yeah, and so this whole time, guys, we've talked about our member to coach conversion program. We started this nine years ago. I know it's kind of become a little bit more commonplace in the in the industry, and 
Uh, we do plan on doing a full episode about that at some point in the future. Um, but I do just want to call that out one last time because we do ask questions a little bit differently to each candidate, whether they're coming from that coach, uh, member to coach program, or if they're an, already an outside coach. So uh, if, for example, you have a system in your place that's similar to ours, then just understand the different nuance between the two and why um, some questions are going to be much more important for one bucket versus the other and make sure that you're um, you know, not putting unfair expectations on each of them for their various strengths and weaknesses that they're coming in with. Yeah. All right, let's do a quick recap, guys. So seven questions that you should be asking in your next interview. The first one is, did you ever have an aha moment with fitness or have you always been a natural? Not. What do you love about fitness? Who would you connect with most and who would present you the most challenges? Not. What do you love to coach the most? Number three, what's something that bothers you about most group training gyms? Not. Why do you love group fitness? Number four, what does your own training week look like right now? Not, what are your favorite movements to perform? Number five, what are some aspects of Performance 360 specifically that drew you to us? Not, that drew you to fill in the blank. If you're CrossFit, CrossFit, etc. Number six, where do you hope to be this time next year? Not, what are your long-term aspirations? And number seven, what do you think the biggest opportunity for brick and mortar gyms is right now and into the next COVID area? We don't really have a knot for that one. The knot would be the failure desk it. Yep. That's a wrap on episode 46. If you need to get in contact with us, it is just Brian with a Y or Dave at perform-360.com, perform-360.com. We'll see you next time.